0: Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we explore the week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. Recently, the contentious issue of the remuneration regime for public office bearers, including cabinet ministers, has come under the spotlight. This is off the back of news that the ministerial handbook, the famous or infamous uh, ministerial handbook, depending on where you're standing, uh, which regulates ministers' benefits, has been revised to increase the benefits. Obviously, this was later put to the presidency, uh, which then said that the president had decided to review. Uh, To look at the issue, uh, today we are joined uh, by Dr. Mark Basson, a chairperson of 21st century, as well as uh, Ruben Maleka, who's the acting deputy general manager for the Public Servants Association of South Africa. Also with us uh, is Mawanda Mashabalala, who's a senior writer, senior political writer on the Sunday Times. With immediate effect.
1: When people saw
2: And I quote In two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shedding.
1: <laughs> they put saliva
0: on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are
2: running around. I Yamin child. And then they share that zone. Point of order, chairperson. Order, chairperson. Point of order, the ruling party by force of order must step aside within thirty days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He
1: has no brains whatsoever. So the NC president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage that can be. This disturbing. is not a sheep. <laughs> arms, can you please come in?
0: Uh, welcome to all of you. Mawande, let, let us start with you because you are the one who who always uh, said the cat among the pigeons. You know, the journalists are always the ones who go digging and, and scratching around and, you know, and, and stimulating, you know, all, all the public debate that happens. The Ministerial Handbook has, has been around for a while. I know that we have got uh, Mark, uh, Dr. Bassin, with us, uh, who has been intimately involved. Uh, in drafting it and revising it etc but from a news and public uh, conversation point of view why has the ministerial uh, handbook back what come back into the news and yes. into public discourse
1: yes yes bramak well basically as you say Bramak, the ministerial handbook is a living uh, document so to speak that keeps on being changed as and when uh, those that are, are in charge feel necessary, but I, I think what has become sort of a, a, a controversy, uh, which uh, makes us find where we find ourselves in now discussing it, is how sometimes it seems to be changed uh, secretly, so to speak, by the powers that be, and and the public is never, uh, you know, uh, consulted or it's it's never done in the open, such that people know as and when it happens but it would be the work of journalists as you say it that would expose such things so recently what was exposed uh, are the current, uh, you know, uh, provisions, some of the provisions that are contained in it, such as uh, ministers and deputy ministers not paying for water, not paying for electricity. And and that now becomes controversial in the sense that we know that there's this ongoing uh, power crisis in the country, the load shedding, and, and, and high cost of living, high cost of electricity itself uh, for, for the general people like me and you. So So it becomes controversial in that sense that, I mean, those... Uh, that are in power are still being given such uh, sweeteners uh, despite them earning so high as public servants as 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 as, as per uh, uh, their salaries so that's how it comes back to the forum mark given the challenges that are faced by the general public in terms of the high cost of living uh, uh, on issues like uh, power and uh, electricity and, and and water and other uh, things while ministers are living uh, comfortably and continue to get more packs on top of the too many packs that they have
0: already mm. and now, the, now now the presidency <coughs> say they're going to revise the, the the
1: handbook which is nothing but a PR stand as far as I'm concerned from Mike because you you he says that only after the exposure uh, when the issue has been brought into the public domain uh, by the media but had uh general is not going hold of these new uh, niceties that are provided for in the ministerial handbook, I doubt he would have done that. He does that seeing the public reaction to that exposure, which says, but uh, it can be and especially for him it becomes important for him to pull such a PR stand the current president because when he came through he promised a lot of things um, chief among which which was to cut the fed remember he promised to cut down the cabinet itself would never happen instead we had too many deputy ministers he promised to cut these benefits Uh, ministers were going to travel on economy and all those things and then you see these things so it sort of exposes all the promises that he, he, he made Made when he came into power in 2018 in the country, 2017 in the ANC, uh, nothing but hollow. So he has he felt the need to do that, mm-hmm. especially now that he is seeking a second term. Yeah, so it yeah. also has that element of mm-hmm. speaking to his aspiration of a second term in the in the ANC conference in December.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruben Malika, uh, you 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 represent uh, the, the the public servants. Uh, the, the, your, what is your perspective, the perspective of the of the ministerial handbook? But more broadly, uh, the distinction that is made between the, the the political office bearers and public servants generally. Do you think yeah. that there must be a separation, or whether we should be saying that uh, public office bearers must be like be treated the same as any other public servant?
2: Look, uh, here we're talking about a terminology that uh, is separating equally the same category of people. Remember, as a politician, you serve the public at the same time, and when you're public servants, you serve the public. Uh, But it's just that all the different levels and different responsibilities and how you get to serve those people uh, or the people in general. But one thing that we can actually distinguish with the SMS handbook, uh, which has been exposed with uh, the current uh you know, stand on the issue of electricity and water that was given to the you know public office bearers. One can see all the ministers and deputy ministers. One would have realized that uh at some point uh it had to be exposed to say that uh in the midst of everything that government has been saying, especially ministers themselves and the president, pleading poverty from left, right and center about why they cannot be able to uh, you know serve the public because of the the state of the fiscals while at the same time going to extend you know like behind the scenes increasing those kind of benefits that was just a slap in the face of uh, you, know, you know public servants who for quite some time let me say for about 3 years and it is an irony that in the period of 3 years under the presidency of of uh, Ramaphosa, public servants, never received any increase. At the same time, even under his presidency, uh, he has taken away a resolution that we have concluded in the previous dispensation under President Zuma, one of 2018. So all those combined and with the incapacity of the state on two aspects, one would you have just noticed that in the recent month of September and October, most of the municipalities are unable to provide water services to the communities. Uh, just as yesterday, the people of Boloko and and everywhere were protesting merely because of they've saying that it's more than a month that they've not been able to find water in their taps. At the same time, the country is reeling from you know high number of uh, you know load shedding as a result of. Uh, you know, escom come unable to provide services. So the two aspects that I'm talking to, which are prob- a problem to the country, we find that uh, the, the president finds it fit to say that uh, the ministers and deputy ministers would not be paying th- for those services. At the same time, uh, you know, just being one of those issues to compare that, I mean, a public office bearer who earns above a million vis-a-vis a public servant, these are the two people that are saving the public. One, obviously, given one can justify that. Okay, why is he earning a million? Which is another debate. Another one earning way below, but the one that earns more, uh, being, being given, you know, free uh, Christmas present through the uh, so-called, uh, uh, you know, office better
0: handbook, which in itself. I think it's been abused in this instance. Okay, uh, Dr. Bassin, I'd like for you to come in here uh, and and give us your 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 perspective, uh, your expert's your remuneration experts uh, perspective. You have been involved with the crafting of the of the handbook Thank you, Mike. Thanks for the question. And thank you, Ruben, for that um, introductory
3: remarks. Yes, I have been involved in setting um,
0: the pay of public office bearers and uh, the SMS. Sorry, what is the SMS? We know the SMS for the phone. What what is the SMS? (laughs) Senior Management
3: Service. Um, Ruben made made reference to the SMS handbook. I I think he was referring to the ministerial handbook. But... um, I think the for me, I would like to split out two issues. The one issue is the timing of this with the service delivery and the issues in the country. The second part is the pay itself. And um, I think the easier place to start is the pay itself. Let me come out um, very Boldly and early in the debate, the pay of a minister at 2.4 million, I think, is fair. On the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, a small cap CEO earns 3.1 million. That's a very small company. A medium cap, 3.9 million. And the large companies, 7.2. So we're not going to count the large companies, but 3 million is about the ballpark, and a minister at 2.4. In addition to that, the minister does get the tools of trade book. There's a tools of trade and there's a ministerial handbook. That is to govern the benefits and perks. And if you look at private sector, if the CEO of a bank or a mine needs to fly to London or Switzerland or New York, um, the company pays for them. They don't pay for that out of their salary. It's the same with our minister or president. The, the the state pays for you to go and do that business that's what's meant by tools of trade that's what's meant by the ministerial handbook you know it governs um the extent to which uh, you can travel or the extent to which you're protected and th- that is no different from the private sector so at 2.4 million given the hours that they work and i can honestly say i've interacted with enough ministers and the president to know the hours are very long and, and they, they work really hard. I think the pay is fair. If you take the lowest level pay of someone working in government, in other words, now you're looking at um, a civil servant who is equate level one, which means it's the very first step, cleaners and tea people and things like that, um, they earn around 100000 per annum Now, if you divide 100,000 per annum into 3 million, which is what the president earns, it's a pay gap ratio of one in 30. One in 30 is extremely flat. It is almost the flattest in the world. In South Africa, you take private sector, it's about one in 100. The next flattest after one in 30 would be New Zealand, Japan, and the um, Nordic states, where it's about one in 40, one in 50. So our pay slope is flat. There's, not, um, there's no problem with the pay slope. Let's go back to part A, if that's part B, which was the easier bit, the actual pay and how we set it. Um, the, the ministerial handbook should go through the Independent Remuneration Commission. Now, that is chaired by a judge. There are independent commissioners, and they debate that, and they are the ones that recommend to president Uh, what should go in there. What's not clear in all of this is if this went through that independent remuneration commission or not. If it went through, that means the governance that's in place was there. But if it did not go through them, then I take um, the journalist's view quite seriously that it was um, done secretly and had the journalists have not picked it up, it would have really um, gone through quite, quite, quite underhand. There, I believe in a strong journalist and a strong media. And thank you to all the journalists and media. We need strong journalists and media. So the timing of giving that free electricity and free water was poor, given blackouts and the water situation. But the truth is the ministers and public office bearers have been living in, in I don't want to use the word compounds, but maybe it's the best way to describe it, little villages where you stay in that village, a ministerial village and, and, and the yes, it is for free. Um, you do get uh, water and electricity um, You might sometimes have to pay the French benefit tax. But it's not they're not the only ones that have a handbook governing all of this. You've got this SMS senior management handbook too, which governs the benefits of, of senior managers as well. So maybe it would be very interesting to take a look at that SMS. It's on the DPSA website. It's available for everyone to see. And um, the gap actually between the DGs, the Director Generals, and the public office bearers, it's not as big as what we think it is. The reason I think we can't combine them, in other words, combine the civil service with the public office bearers, is that um, public office bearers are elected They are elected members, whereas the other one, it's a full-time job. They're not elected. So if one can find a way around that, then I suppose one could merge it. Or we can keep it as elected and a full-time job and then just have one seamless from equate one going all the way
0: to president and everyone's on a single pay structure. That's just mechanics. That's easy to do for a remuneration. Yeah, let let, let me come in there. I I think that you've made the point that you you believe that the remuneration, by way of example, the remuneration for a minister at 2.4 is fair. And you're comparing that to what is happening elsewhere in the economy. But what then do we say to South Africans who say the minister is getting, for example, the minister of uh, water affairs uh, is getting 2.4 and we're having all these problems with water in the country. Or the minister of public enterprises is responsible for ESCOM Mm. and we're all suffering. And it does not look like the the public office bearers are subjected, even if we were to say that the actual amount the quantum is fair and comparable, but it does not look like they are held to the same level of uh, delivery accountability that happens in the private sector so so if 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 citizens say yeah but we probably are not getting value for money for the two point four what would we say i
3: mike you're right um So let's 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 look at again, just split it out. If if the minister of water and the minister of of public enterprises left and they put Ruben and Mike there as ministers, the 2.4 million would be fair pay for the job. Then In private sector, you've got this thing called performance-related pay, which is a short-term incentive and a long-term incentive. If you do not perform in private sector, you do not get your short-term incentive. You do not get your long-term incentive. Ministers do not have that. What they have instead is they get elected or not elected. Presidents should remove ministers that are not performing. So the performance management system should take care of that. And um, the electorate that does the elections should vote for different people. So that's their performance management system and their S&LTI. So there you can say, and I'm agreeing with you, the value for money is not there because we are having blackouts. We are having no water. And um, it 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 confuses the issue. The issue is not that the pay is too much. The issue is that the service mm-hmm. delivery is mm-hmm. not happening.
0: Hey, Marwanda, I'd like for you to come in here. The, the, we're talking performance, the performance of... Uh, of ministers in in this case um i seem to recall some time back that the president said that the the ministers were going to be signing performance agreements and i don't recall hearing anything about that since i mean this is like a couple of years now what what has happened to that
1: do you know look bramek those those are some of the things you know there's a lot of things with uh the south african government that are just cosmetics as i said pr stands feel good type of you know uh, things that are done uh, publicly but you never get to hear about them in fact it won't be a new thing it used to happen even in the pre uh, with the previous president uh, jacob zuma uh, who would see this minister signing when they try do the signing it's all a public affair it's highly publicized and all that but w- a, a performance uh, it has got to be reviewed from time to time. That that is how that is the nature of a performance agreement. But we we just never know whatever ends up with, with those things. And if you try to find out, you'll be frustrated. Well, it's a process. For instance, they would argue uh, that last year there was a cabinet reshuffle, so maybe they signed new performance uh, appraisals. So it is all uh, gimmicks, as far as I'm concerned, Primax uh, things such as so-called uh, performance agreement for for politicians for politicians there's no such a thing it's all about political considerations and all the factions within the ANC now especially now this year heading to the conference there is no way even if as a president you see that a particular minister is not performing but give uh, I mean uh, uh, depending on how strategic they are for your interests Within the ANC, there is no president who will ever move against such people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I guess it's issues like that. All these things are somewhere gathering dust somewhere in the union buildings, and nobody knows uh, what is going on. In mm-hmm. fact, the president is very interested to to do that. It's all about political considerations. That's the reality of mm-hmm. the situation. Hey, mm-hmm. uh,
0: Ruben, do, do you want to come in here? Uh, the the the, the, the doctor, Doctor. Uh, is is saying that the the performance agreement that no the performance of of public office bearers or the politicians uh, who hold positions like that, uh, they, they, they are evaluated via by, by the electorate. Would, do you think that that that's? Uh, would you be happy with that to say that no, 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 they they get their punishment or pain or praise at election time? Look, uh, l- let's
2: separate the public servants from the ministers. Remember, uh, for a department to perform, it it is the leadership that. Would be taking a particular direction in the stance. I want to qualify this by saying, let's go back to the years of uh, President Mbeki. Uh, I would say that the same uh, public servants are the same public servants that performed at the time when uh, under President Mbeki. And differently, the same public servants are now under the leadership of Ramaphosa. But with a different outcome and performance the question is that who is supposed to take the lead who must account and generally to the public obviously it will be the you know the ministers or the president and obviously uh, when does the public has to you know show that they are the ones that put them there it's only when it comes after five years that goes to the elections and it's not normally the ministers who would uh, feel the pinch of saying which party to vote for. And normally, generally, the the people that would go to the elections are not going to punish their favourite political party over a failed minister. Like, for instance, where we are sitting right now, you would find that people would complain about lack of water, electricity, transport, no trains that are available, and where is SAA? But people, when they go to take a stance in terms of votes, are not going to look for generally uh, the individuals that were responsible for those uh, portfolios. Are going to look for the party that they will vote for, and that is the maybe the shortcoming that we are we are sitting with as South Africans that uh, normally the love of a party or you know. A choice of a party could uh, find itself being, you know, put in a particular level. But the people that are supposed to be saving, who in this case would be ministers, would be failing generally the public. And then it becomes a, a, a serious challenge for, for 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 generally for the South Africans. But let me go back to, to the issue of the ministerial handbook. Uh, look. It's fair what the prof has said that a salary at 2.5 for a minister is, 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 is fair. Uh, but one must also consider the fact that if you take it in with the PECs itself, maybe the prof can, uh, can give us that particular analysis to like, for instance, a minister doesn't have to pay for a, a petrol. They don't put petrol in their cars. Um, I mean, obviously, we know that they ride for free. Um, like you mentioned the issue of where do, where do they stay and the issue of other packs that are are not mentioned. If they don't have to pay for, for a security, somebody who is a DG has to get security for himself, has to get a medical for himself, has to get, uh, you know, all those small things that you look at them but they are actually going to be coming from that particular salary of a DG, which is maybe at two, 2.2 million. But a minister at 2.4 million with the perks that comes with everything that he has to write for free. Um, I mean, I understand that obviously they also have mates that are already up, paid from the state. So, but all those perks are, are hidden. But if you put them in, in the context of how much it would cost if we have to calculate all those pegs that are coming, it won't be less than a, a 3 million peg for a minister to be able to function. So, yeah, so one can say that uh, where we are right now um, from the union perspective, uh, there needs to be a point where the general, the public service, the public office, bearers, civil servants, Local government, state or state-owned entities. We need to sit down and look at what is the fair remuneration for all of it. Because if you go to Prasa, the CEO of Prasa earns ten million, and it's, in a, it's a state aid entity, but a DG of a department way bigger than a state-owned entity, such as Prasa, let's say Home Affairs, with hundred and thirty something offices countrywide as 2.2. 2. So there's too much of the, you know, one needs to one day, and that is a point that I've once raised with the Minister for Public Service Administration, to say that we need to uh, streamline remuneration that are coming out of one fiscal, which is the treasury, The public office bearers, the civil servants, local government, and SOEs. Like instance, what is the salary of a mayor of Twani? What is the salary of a mayor of Joanesburg and vis-a-vis a mayor of Polokwane, there is too much disparities, and that is why one needs to say. But uh, if we are talking about one fiscal, there must be uniformity and consistency.
0: Oh, before, before we round off, uh, uh, Dr. Barsin, you, you, you seemed to be on the same wavelength uh, with Ruben in terms of whether, for example, the 2.4, or even if cumulatively we're saying the 3 million uh, remuneration for ministers is justifiable or fair. Uh, but our, 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 I was wanting to raise a, a slightly different issue related to say if you live in a country uh, with the kind of inequalities and poverty that we have in South Africa, uh, would people not be justified to say, look, our leaders must end as close as possible to what the general population ends, you know, as opposed to them living in another world, basically of privilege and, and el- elitism. You know? how, how do we navigate that? And then, then I'd want uh, Mawande to come in uh, after you. So I did an
3: exercise, if we halved CEO pay, every worker would only get 29 rand extra a month. Halving CEO pay, halving minister pay is not the answer. What we've got to do is pay a living wage at the bottom. We have to move the bottom up. That means our education system needs to be world class. That means our productivity needs to be world class and our, our people need to be employable. They're coming out of school and universities and they're unemployable. So I would say it's a bottom-up approach, not halving the top. There's not enough money to go around A and B. You, you might get um, less qualified and less competent and less skills
0: at that level. So I'm not in favor of halving pay, no. Mm. But you've also mentioned, before we go to Mawande, you've also mentioned that you you, you don't think – the problem that we have is one of how much uh, the, the pay is for ministers and, and those kinds of and civil servants. It is more how many we have. Can we elaborate on that? Yes. So, so
3: I think our pay for civil servants, in other words, equate grades 1 to 16 up to DG and public office bearers is fair. We spend a lot of time doing market benchmarking against other countries, against state-owned companies, against the private sector. What's happened is that there are too many of them. There's 1.6 million civil servants. For a, a population of 60 million and a GDP of 360 billion, it's 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 too much. But um, we need about 1.2 million. The problem that we have is that no one's going to retrench 400,000 workers in in a voting voters or 400,000 voters. Let's put it like that. So it's a conundrum. I would, if I was the president, I would have a moratorium on recruiting people, make sure that the people there are actually working eight hours a day and producing so that we can catch up with how many people we need in government with
0: what we actually need. And that's the way to do it. Mm. Hey, wonder, do, 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 do you want to come in here? Do, do you see, let, let's say we send out Dr. Basson, you know, with the president to explain this to the South African public, you know, to say that the, 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 the remuneration for ministers is fair uh, for public servants, it's fair, etc., uh, that we're all looking in the wrong direction. Do you think that would fly?
1: It wouldn't. Uh, politically, socially, whatever, Kali, Bramayake, it wouldn't fly. And it doesn't fly with me, too. Uh, in fact, for me, to to start perhaps uh, my argument, bramak is to say I believe that these benefits that are being gotten by the ministers that we are debating today should be going to public servants, uh, bureaucrats. Because those are the people who actually do the work. Probably it will motivate them even more to do more than what they are doing. Uh, You know, the teachers and the staffers in all these departments, municipalities and everywhere else. And we must cut the fat on the politicians. Because politicians, for me, they do nothing really. Instead of uh, making speeches, providing political direction. A political direction, I currently believe, is the wrong one that they are providing us, which uh, is why... We are where we are in terms of ESCOM and everything else that is crumbling uh, in the countries because of weak political leadership. So why should we be uh, remunerating such people more? In any event, to have high salaries uh, for for, for politicians was meant to mitigate against, you know, external influences, uh, being corrupted, being bribed by other interests such as business interests and any other nefarious interests that are outside the official uh, government, uh, you know, system, as it were. But that still doesn't stop them. We also, every day, write about uh, corruption and everything else that the same politicians get up to, despite the high salaries that they have. I mean, 2.4 million should be enough to maintain a household, a proper household of six people, proper. It's actually Mm high-end maintenance. You can live in Sentinel with that kind of an annual salary. And be very much comfortable. I mean, you already have a free car anyway. You, in fact, in any event, where do they spend uh, this salaries, Bramai? Because it looks like we provide them with free bees everywhere we house them we feed them we fly them and i mean it's shocking that even kids of ministers uh, certain there's certain numbers it's just that i don't have these uh, things in front of me have benefits such as free flights to go see their parents if for instance they are in cape town they are based here in jobank so so already uh, we are spending too much too to make them live mm-hmm. comfortably so i, I really Honestly, I believe that we should actually uh, be looking to 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 compensate more and give more freebies to yeah, public yeah, servant yeah. in administration, yeah. certainly not politicians.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dr. Mark Basson, uh, chairperson of uh, 21st century PTY Ltd, who specializes in remuneration and remuneration systems. Uh, Ruben Maleka, acting deputy GM, general manager at the Public Events Association of South Africa, as well as Mawanda Mashabalala, who's a senior political writer on the Sunday Times. I'd like to thank you very much for joining us on this week's Sunday Times Politics Weekly and for your interesting perspectives on a very thorny and contentious issue in South Africa today. Uh, we thank you very much for your time. Hey, I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, do stay safe, stay blessed, and let's do good for our country. Thank you.